Hey folks, and welcome back to the Blue Light Podcast. I'm Brendan from Blue Light, and this is the place that you absolutely need to be if you're in the process of applying to join the police, if or if you're thinking about joining the police at some point in the future. Over 8,000 people are now in the police as a result of my support, which is just totally awesome. What an honour it is to be part of their journey, and on a daily basis to get emails from people, messages from people, to tell me how they've been successful, they couldn't have done it without me. Actually, do you know, they probably could have done it without me, but it might have taken them two, three, four times, and it could have given them lots of heartache and confusion and pain along the way, and they may have given up. The thing is, I show you what you need to do. You've got to do the hard work. So there's no silver bullet here, folks. There's no magic bullet. This doesn't happen by osmosis. You've got to put the hard work in. Now, this is the subject of this week's podcast. I know, it's just before Christmas, and Brendan, you're going to give me things to do? Really? Yes, I am. I'm going to give you some things to think about in terms of who you are and what you are in preparation for next year. That might sound a bit deep, that. Don't worry, it's not. It's not deep at all. Um, This is really, really going to help you, and I'll tell you why. Because just recently, over the past week, I've had one person who's not a client, and I don't mind getting messages from people who aren't clients. The Facebook group, if you're not part of it, by the way, look on Facebook in groups for Blue Light and Police Recruitment, and you'll find an awesome group that's got over 14,000 people in it. Well, one of those individuals got in touch with me this week to say how they'd um, been at the final interview. This is the final hurdle, just before the vetting and the medical and fitness almost there and they got asked a question about what skills you would bring to this force and this really stumped them they really really got stumped and they started blabbering on about you know wanting to help the community and put something back and all of those cliches and i would not be surprised if they failed because it threw them for the rest of the interview now they might not have they might have got through but They've certainly scored really poorly on that question. Now, this is something that you should be doing right at the very beginning, doing some form of skills audit, and I'll tell you about that in a moment, how you go about doing that, to ensure that you are on the right track in terms of developing yourself. Now, other forces will do this right at the very beginning. So Greater Manchester Police have got an application form that's only got two questions. The first question is, why do you want to be a police officer? And tell us about what... Uh, skills, experience and knowledge you will bring to the role. And you've got 500 words to explain that. So there's plenty of words, plenty of words. Second question is all about how you've used or adapted your skills to meet the needs and requirements of different groups or communities. And what challenges did you face? Two really tough questions if you've not prepared, if you're not aware of what skills and behaviours you are strong in. And have the evidence to support it. There's no point in just saying I'm really good at being impartial or I'm uh, really good at being transparent. (laughs) Those are just bold claims. They're not going to help you. Just using buzzwords from the competency and values framework isn't going to help you. And that's why they give you 500 words. And the answer that the other client, well, the other person, because it weren't a client, would have given, would have been probably 500 plus words. So they expect absolute detail as well. And I'm going to compare that with some news I had from one of my clients this week who went for a 45-minute long interview, which lasted two hours. It lasted two hours. And she came back and said, do you know, I really enjoyed it. 
it just turned into this two hour long conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Why did she enjoy it? Well, because she was absolutely prepared. She'd prepared herself right from the very beginning in terms of identifying what skills she could bring to the police service and her demonstrating her knowledge of why those skills and behaviours were important to the police service. And she came in in the interview as well with some ideas about how she would deliver those skills and behaviours and those values once she was successful. And it just turned into this big conversation. She actually got feedback to say, that was a really good interview. I really liked the way you related everything to your future role. And they told her there and then that she'd passed. And that's highly, highly unusual. Normally, you'll be told a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, maybe even that evening by phone call or email. But she was told there and then that she'd passed. So what's the difference that makes the difference? This is what we're going to work on today. And it's going to get you thinking, I hope, over Christmas about what skills and values and behaviours you are good at and where the gaps are as well. Because like in the GMP application form, they talk about challenges. What challenges did you face? The police are really interested, by the way, in how you manage your development and how you manage in the face of adversity and when things go wrong and things don't go to plan. Because guess what? That's what happens in the police. Very rarely does anything go to plan. So one of the things that I advocate that you do is something called a skills audit. Now, this is where you take the competency and values framework, and this could apply to actually any role. So if if you know of someone who's applying to any job whatsoever or wants to, has an aspiration to have a certain type of career, then this is for them as well. Actually, um, let's let's go one step further, um, and I'll introduce my alter ego. So at this moment in time, I'm also providing a service and very soon a podcast for people who are applying to any role, and it's called The Interview Hacker. But if you go to Facebook and just look under Pages for The Interview Hacker, then you'll find me, and you'll find very similar guidance for people who are applying for any role. And this, it's, it, you know, it's the same for the police, it's the same for probation service or wanting to work in admin or being uh, in retail or hospitality, armed services, nurse, it doesn't matter. Right at the very beginning, you need to be really, really self-aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And this isn't just about getting, you know, the top 25 competencies and values that employers look for. And certainly in the police, it isn't about you know, um, trying to work out these these competences and values, you know, how transparent am I or how impartial am I? What you need to look at is the fine detail within this marking guide because this is how you're going to mark you. The competency and values framework is how they're going to mark you. So let's just go back to the police. Competency and values framework is how they're going to mark you. Now, in each one of the, the values and the competencies, they describe what behaviours they are looking for. So these are the behaviours that you, you need to aspire to. So what I'd be looking to do is to identify which one of the, ones of those behaviours you believe are going to be consistent, things that are going to be required of you on a daily basis. Because some of them won't be. So if I'm at the moment I've got public service in front of me. If I look at public service, right at the very end of it, it says I share credit with everyone involved in delivering services. Well, you might not do that on a daily basis. But another one is I tailor my communication to be appropriate and respectful to my audience. I adapt my communication to address the needs and concerns of different communities. Uh, so that that is something that you'd be doing on a daily basis. So what I'd be looking for there 
is a skill or behaviour, I'll put that on my list, about how you actually alter the style of your communication to meet the needs of others. And if you don't do that, then you've found a skills gap. You've found a skills and values and behaviours gap. And that's one of the things you can now start working on. And you can start deliberately finding opportunities where you are actually demonstrating those skills and those behaviours. Does that make sense? And I wouldn't just have it as a tick box. What I'd do is maybe uh, measure myself, mark myself on a scale of 1 to 10. So where 1 is ineffective and 10 is effective. And by doing this, you're going to start working out exactly what you're strong in and exactly what you're weak in, but not compared to the top 25 competencies and behaviours that employers across the world are looking for, but only only against the niche that you're going for, which for you is the police sector. Now, if you're listening to this from outside of the United Kingdom, outside of England and Wales, then it might be a different competency and values framework. But there's always going to be some behavioural statements about your future role as a police officer. So the time to start thinking about that is now, because this is how they're going to assess you. So your application form needs to reflect this. Your interview needs to reflect this. And what the thing that turned the 45-minute interview into a two-hour interview was the knowledge and understanding part. Knowledge and understanding. So this particular individual went one step further. She'd already identified what she was strong in, what she was weak in, and she had examples of what she was strong in, and she was also... She'd reflected on what she was weak in and what she needed to develop, and she was open about that in her interview. And then she talked about why things like decision-making. So decision-making is in the value of transparency. She talked, she's asked a question about decision-making, and she talked about how um, decision-making is an important attribute as a police officer, and how when she would have to make um, a decision as to whether to arrest someone or not, it was really, really important. And the reason why it was important is because she is taking someone's freedom away from them temporarily. You know, when you arrest someone, there's no choice. It's not like, would you like to be arrested? You are taking someone's freedom away from them. They no longer have the freedom to roam this land, the the freedom that so many people have fought for. You're temporarily taking it away from them. There are a few people in our society who have that power. So it's a power that needs to be wielded in such a way that um, you understand that the, the sheer responsibility of what lies on your shoulders there. So she talked about the decisions that she'd have to make in arresting people and also how at times other people may not agree with her decision or she might have to explain her decision to other people. So she'd done her homework and she knew that she'd have to explain it to the individual involved. She'd have to explain it to a custody officer when the person was brought into custody. And ultimately, she may have to explain it to the Crown Prosecution Service who would decide on whether to authorise a charge or not. And ultimately, even beyond that, she may have to go to court and explain to magistrates or a jury and a judge why this person was arrested and how she managed the investigation after that. So awesome stuff. And she went one step further even to say that in my future role as a police officer, what I'd make sure I do is I'd try to put myself in the shoes of the other person or maybe in the shoes of someone, imaginary person watching me, maybe the chief constable, maybe my best friend, maybe my mother, maybe the person I love the most, um, maybe the queen, because I swear my oath of allegiance to the queen. What would they think of me? What, how would they feel about my actions? Would they believe that they were fair and objective and I was doing the right thing? 
And so this this is how this developed into this like big long conversation. Just by talking about things like that, she'd identified what her skills were at the very beginning of the process. And she knew how to then transfer that into her knowledge of the uh, role that she was going into and demonstrating her understanding of that role as well. Awesome stuff. And this is how, folks, this is how you avoid getting that, you know, me getting that email to say, I was asked this question about my skills and I just didn't know what to say. You've got to, you've got to prepare for this, folks. The hard work is now. The hard work's in the rehearsal. And the reason why we rehearse and the reason why we practice is so on the day we can come across as being prepared, not rehearsed. Because another one of my clients, this was one of my clients um, uh, a couple of months ago, had feedback to say that um, more work is needed in preparation for your interview. You came across as sounding far too rehearsed. No interviewer likes someone who's rehearsed. No interviewer likes someone who's coming out with the same canned phrases, lifts from the competency and values framework. That is not what's going to get you the job. That's not what's going to get you the role. So this is where the hard work starts, folks. And this is where I thought, do you know, I could give you this lovely, cheery Christmas message or a a review of everything that we've covered over the past year. Actually, I might squeeze one of those in before Christmas, but... I started thinking that actually we've got to get ready to kickstart ourselves ready for 2021. And the reason why is if you want to join the police now, and if you're in the police recruitment process now, the time to start preparing and rehearsing is now so that you're practicing, practicing, practicing. You're doing these skills audits. There's more to a skills audit, by the way, and I explain it all in uh, the Facebook groups for my clients uh, because there's a way of enhancing your, your skills audit by looking at the views of others. So how do they feel towards you? Oh, it's getting to a different level now, isn't it? Scary level. Um, anyway, I want you to succeed in 2021. And the only way you're going to do that is by rehearsing and practicing lots. Remember, we rehearse, we rehearse, we rehearse, we practice, practice, practice. So on the day of our performance, we come across as being super, super prepared. That's not going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen by happy accident. And there is no magic bullet, folks. There's no magic bullet. You know, the hard work, if you're not doing it already, starts now and it starts over Christmas. I'll give you Christmas Day and Boxing Day off. How does, how does that sound? So what I want you to do is to start thinking about those skills so that we can kickstart 2021 in a completely awesome way. I've got a load of activities that I'm planning for you in 2021. Um, I'm already running a 21-day uh, performance booster challenge for oh, it's about 70 people and we are doing some awesome stuff we're doing some awesome webinars and face facebook lives and they're coming up they're doing the research into their communities and they're doing skills audits and all sorts of outstanding stuff well, i'm going to do one for the facebook group the one that's got over fourteen thousand people in it and uh, that that one i'm really looking forward to probably not 21 days because uh, this is a paid one this is a paid service uh, probably more like a seven day seven day challenge and i'll do it right at the very beginning of january because i want to kick start you off into 2021 and why is this so important well the reason why it's so important is because forces just do not have the number of vacancies that they used to have they don't have anything like the number of vacancies that they thought they were going to have because of covid people aren't leaving the people who would ordinarily leave, ordinarily leave mid-career, they're not leaving mid-career anymore and they're staying, which means that forces don't need to recruit as many people, which means that if you are fortunate enough to score high enough at every stage so that you're actually offered a position, that position could be in 
years time. Yeah, I said years, not a year, in years' time. So I'll give you an example. Gloucestershire Constabulary, some of my clients applied in autumn 2019. So that's a year ago, over a year ago. They have been given start dates of June and October 2022. Yes, you heard me right there. They've been given start dates of June or October 2022. October is for the people who didn't score as well as the people who scored... Um, who are in the June intake. So they're taking the highest scoring individuals first. I know some people that were really, really a bit upset because I think they got told that their intake date for Gloucestershire would be January 2022. And they're thinking, January 2022? Well, it turns out they're the high scoring individuals. They're the high scoring ones. Um, the ones who haven't scored quite as high as that as them are going into June and October 2022. Now, there's a lot of forces doing that. Cheshire just recently did something similar. They wrote to successful candidates who've been told to past everything to say to them that we've not got enough room in our intakes and that basically there's no room for you. And that was it. That's the end of it. That's the end of your journey. That's when you're going to have to start looking for other forces. By the way, Gloucestershire, you know, 2022, frankly, is ridiculous. If there's anyone listening to this from Gloucestershire, can I just let you know that you, the, the reputational risk that you are putting yourself in is enormous because thousands of people in the Facebook group, I mean, seriously, thousands, and thousands of people are going to listen to this podcast. They're going to listen to this podcast and they're going to watch this stuff and they're going to see copies of emails from people in the Facebook group and they're going to apply to a different force because they're, they're applying now. They don't want to be joining in 2023. A lot can happen to a 19-year-old in three years. They could go and get a degree at university in three years. Frankly, it's just unacceptable. Your reputation is going down the drain. And if you think as a force that you're going to keep hold of those recruits and they're going to wait for two years after they've already been in an application process for a year. So that's a three-year journey to get into the police. They're not. I know this. I know this because I see the conversations in the Facebook group. They're already applying to other forces. So you're digging yourself a big hole, forces. Any force that does this, anyone who's listening to this from a force and thinks it's okay to give people a start date in two years' time, well, frankly, excuse the phrase, but you're completely bonkers. (laughs) You really are. You're bonkers if you think that people are going to hang around for that long. They're just not going to do it. But for those of you who are applying to the police, this might be one of the questions that you want to ask your force. When are the planned intake dates? Pin them down. When are the planned intake dates? You know, this isn't a first, by the way. Humberside Police did it a few years ago. They had people waiting for two or three years. Surrey Police, about seven years ago, had people waiting for about two years and eventually just wrote to them to say, actually, we just don't even have a place for you. Try Sussex down the road. They're recruiting. You know, you just can't treat people like that. (laughs) No other sector would get away with it. Um, And you're not getting away with it now, actually, because people are just voting with their feet and you're losing them. You're losing some really good people. And they're going to forces who go, yep, we can, you can join, you know, six months time, start date, four months time, start date, six months time. You're losing them to those forces. So there's my advice there for people who are applying. And also my advice for forces who think it's okay. And actually they do. I remember the I think it was the Chief Constable of Humberside Police came back to me on Twitter and said that this is a perfectly acceptable and perfectly reasonable thing to do. What, to make a 19-year-old wait two years? (laughs) I don't think so. Anyway, 
if you're the chief, then you know whatever you believe is the right thing to do is the right thing to do, I guess. Okay, I'm in danger of getting a little bit too controversial now, aren't I? I should steer away from that. Don't want to be upsetting police forces too much. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm working with some some police forces at the moment. One really, really big police force. Hopefully, I'll be able to tell you more about that in the future. I've got some awesome. Uh, podcast for you of interviews with serving police officers who are in incredibly uh, challenging strategic positions that I'm going to share with you in 2021. Uh, can't say too much about it at the moment, but you're going to find these interviews awesome. Uh, one of them is based on some work I'm doing for this particular force. Um, I'm volunteering my services, by the way. I'm not getting paid for it. I'm just volunteering my service. But it's going to be an awesome, awesome interview. Um, I'll put it out on a webinar and also put it out on the podcast. I've got loads lined up for you next year. Anyway, folks, um, I'll do another one. I'll do a little Christmas special for you before the end of the year. But until then, keep practicing, keep rehearsing. Remember, we do all of those things so that on the day we can come across as being prepared. I'll catch you with you soon. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>